Congratulations, you found it. This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Featuring Martha Steele, radio personality extraordinaire and queen of the volunteer librarians. Nicole Shaded, sports animal wrangler, shield maiden, and book warrior. And Vonnie Golden, healthcare billing diva, volunteer librarian, and book goddess. Together, slaying the dragons, catching serial killers, exploring history, space-time, and alternative realities. Searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. You know, it's weird, but the trees are blooming. I love it. It's February what today? 27th? 26th. February 26th. I've got allergies from uh, Bradford Pears blooming. And it's weird. It's like people say global warming is not real, you guys. But it's, it's real. It's a thing. We came it out is. of the book sale the other night. I was like, what the hell's on that tree? Oh, I forgot about the book sale. I'm going to stop by there the today. You missed the book sale. It's today, too. Yeah, you still Till have five. a couple of hours. Good. Because everything will be really cheap now. Yeah. The collectors, I just read online, the collectors area is all half price. Ooh, cool. <clears throat> Very good. It was a little thin this year, I have to say. The collector's Mm -hmm. area. At least the science fiction part, there was nothing there. We were there on the day they opened. Mm -hmm. That's too bad. Sorry. Oh, well. I'm sure I can find some random sci-fi nonsense. Well, if you don't go in the collector's part, you might find some. Right. Yeah. The library book sale, the Metro Library book sale in Oklahoma City, they do it at the fairgrounds, and there are two enormous rooms full of books that are like a dollar and two dollars. And we, right behind you, Josh, see? Those oh, are, nice. Yeah. Wow. We brought our treasures up. with us so that we yeah. could take pictures after the session. Loaded up. So we're excited about that. Excited about all of our treasures that we found. And uh, up for another day. Josh Lupton back with us again. Hello. For another sweet, sweet day for Three Book Girls. Who's going first today? Anybody? Anybody? I can go first if nobody else wants to. All right. Well, I read The Kite Runner by Khalid Husseini, which I know I'm probably not saying that exactly correctly but (laughs) (laughs) what this is about is about a boy who grew up in Afghanistan and this is about in the 1960s is when he was born and he was a little kid he had his best friend was his servant's son Saeed which they played together but he and spent all their time together but he never referred to him as a friend because he was the servant but which is so depressing. Was yeah. he a prince? He wasn't a prince, but his his dad was wealthy. Okay. You know, was well off. So they were higher class. Mm-hmm. And you know, they have, you know, the class system over there, so you don't intermix your classes very mm-hmm. much, you know. But both of them, both of their mothers died when they were babies. So neither one of them had mothers. And they actually even had the same wet nurse who took mm. care of them when they were babies. So um, the boy who is telling the story, I want to say his name is, anyways, he... Because um, <laughs> we're all going to forget. <laughs> anyway, the his, main character is good enough for me. <laughs> right. And his his dad always comments about how they're basically brothers because they all, both nursed off the same person. They mm-hmm. both had the same wet nurse. Amir, his name was Amir, sorry. It talks about them growing up and being in different classes and 
how Amir always almost felt threatened by Saeed because his dad tried to give Saeed praise and be proud of him when he had accomplishments too. And one of the things that they used to do is they used to have kite fighting. And Amir would, you know, kite fight. And that's where you, there's actually glass on the string. And Hmm. Yeah, they talk about when they make the the string for the kites, they do something and roll crushed glass on it. So it's sharp. And like... He talks about at the beginning of school, one of the things that they do is they compare scars from their kite fighting. So it's a, you know, it's an important part of it. And, you know, you slice the kite off and then the kite runners, which was what Saeed did when they were out doing it, um, would run and try to catch the kites that were falling out of the sky. And Saeed was particularly good at figuring out where these kites were going to fall. So he would he would be able to get most of the kites that are falling mm-hmm. down. So they grow up together. And like I said, Amir plays with him constantly but never considers him a friend. And Amir ends, something happens and Saeed is bullied by these boys when he's kite running. And Amir doesn't defend him. He lets him get beat up, basically. And Amir has such guilt about this that he pushes Saeed away and and sets it up so that Saeed and his dad moves and goes to serve another family. Hmm. So he's living with this guilt because he doesn't tell anyone that he saw Saeed get beat up by these boys. And Does Saeed he, know? Does the friend... Does the servant boy know that his... It never really says if he knows. Mm. You never really... Amir doesn't tell Saeed that he knows. So I don't know if he ever knows or not. It's never quite clear in the book whether he knows. But Amir grows up with this guilt and he just hates himself for being a coward because he he didn't defend Saeed and Saeed would defend him any chance that he got. And... So they move away. War breaks out. This is set in Afghanistan. I should have said that earlier. You did. You did. Okay. War breaks out in Afghanistan, and Amir and his dad actually are refugees and come to America as refugees from from Afghanistan and go from being high class and rich and having all this money to being poor in California. They moved to California. Um, his dad, you know, works full-time for minimum wage at a gas station. Saeed, you know, I mean, not Saeed, Amir doesn't have the luxuries that he had when he was in Af- Afghanistan. So it's like a turning of the tides. Hmm. And then he goes back to Afghanistan because his uncle sends him a letter and wants to see him and sends him a picture of Saeed as an adult with Saeed's little boy. And the Taliban had actually murdered Saeed and his wife. And now the little boy was an orphan. Wow. And he writes Amir to come to Afghanistan to get this little boy so that he doesn't end up on the streets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's just... 
the whole state of affairs in Afghanistan at this point is just really depressing and sad. This is not exactly a happy book. You know what? I have to, <laughs> it is not I have a, a happy confession book. to make that I actually tried to read this book. I started out to read this book and had to put it down because it was just so depressing. You know how I am. I get I get too involved mm-hmm. in these books and then I just walk around like Ugh. you convey their feelings. I, I can't help it. So I had to stop. Mm-hmm. I could not read this book. Yeah. It's just too depressing. And um but he ends up, you know, things happen. I'm not going to tell everything that happens because that's way yeah. too much. But he goes and he finds this boy that Saeed's orphan son takes him back to California with him. After an extreme process, I mean, it's a huge process for him to get this little boy back to America. And... So what what's your what's your takeaway from this? After I l- powering through it and not having the troubles that I had, <laughs> I liked this book. This is one of those books I listened on CDs in my car, mm-hmm. and this is one of them that I would specifically drive places so I could listen to more of the story. <laughs> <laughs> then I would kind of linger a minute in Martha's driveway when I went over before going inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the dog was going crazy in the background, like, why isn't she coming out to take me for a walk? But at least you didn't come out looking for me like you did that one time. I actually did that one day, because it was like, I knew that she was on her way, and I couldn't figure out what that was keeping her, and the dog was going crazy, because the dog associates her with the walk. With mm-hmm. our walk, yeah. So if she drives up in the driveway, the dog starts doing this, <gasps> you know, we have an outside dog, so she's just... She barks and whines and just goes insanely crazy. And so finally I walked outside. I'm like, what are you doing out here? Well, I'm in a really good part. It's like, I got to finish this one part. <laughs> I'll be in in a minute. <laughs> but I, I liked this book. I mean, it was sad and it didn't hap- It didn't end as a happily ever after kind of book, but it did end up end in an up note at least. Mm-hmm. So... Well, I know this was on the lists. Yeah. Which is why I tried to read it. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I read it. Yeah. yeah, it's been on my to read list for a long time. I've heard about this since I was in high school, I think. Yeah. And it, I, I've really wanted to read it because it's in the same category as, uh, that I've seen as the book thief and like yes. uh, yeah. those types of books. And those are my favorite. I can handle the depressing right. stories. You guys are those much are more favorite. emotionally stable than me, I guess. <laughs> too much. Well, I think we can just. Uh, we can distance ourselves from it more than what you can. Yeah, you feel can't. too much what the characters I feel. I do. I have to admit it. So mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I would I I would give it a five. I I liked this book. The writing was a little bit different, and I this is the first time I've ever read anything that took place in the Middle East. So mm-hmm. it was a very different culture that I was reading about. Was it fiction? Yeah. Uh, yes, it's fiction, fiction. But it's like it's something that could really happen. Mm-hmm. I would think. I mean, the way that it's written, it's written very real, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But again, that's Kite Runner by Khalid Husseini. And the author is the one who reads the book on oh. the audio, which is nice. And he has a good voice, so so it was a good listen. I've read a lot of listen to, my husband hates it when I say read, <laughs> because he doesn't consider reading if you listen to an audio book, which I totally disagree with. I think that it's still 
the same. I think so too. What do you, you don't? I think don't it's know the about same? the same, but I was close because you you you're still sort of using the same parts of your brain, you know, to actually see it inside of your head. But you still get wrapped up in the story the true, same way. Very true, but it's it's different than taking it from in front of your face and using your eyes to get it into your head true. rather than your ears. Yeah, true. That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, the only difference is, like, if you were to close your eyes while listening to an audiobook, it would be similar, I would think. Sure. Because you don't have visual input. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when I'm listening, if I'm not doing something else, I'll play solitaire or do something mindless, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen very often. I admit I'm usually doing something else. Yeah. I think the, like, really with the, like, actually reading the words they say is beneficial to your your brain. It but is. But if you're just reading for the story, I don't see any difference or, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I don't know. As vocabulary-wise, I would think the reading an actual book would be better than mm-hmm. listening to it. Because you're not looking know. at the words well, trying it, to figure you, out what you'd they. you'd be surprised, though, because there are so many words that if you never hear them pronounced, I'll use this as an example, the word facetious. Mm-hmm. doesn't sound anything like it looks. No. So you would never know how to say that word or use yeah. that word. That's Yeah, because I've had that, and my best friend does this all the time, where she reads so much, she'll use a word she's read, and she's pronouncing it completely wrong, and I'm <laughs> yep. like, Sarah, it's not pronounced that way. But so I think there's benefits to both reading and yeah. listening to it. Mm-hmm. And plus, I think when you're, especially when you're, Reading a book about a different culture, it helps when you have somebody telling it to you in the accent of where it takes place. Mm. Like See, that's if, what I like about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It puts you more in the mindset of like if something happens in France, like I've, mm. I've read a lot of, you know, French based novels and it just it puts you more in the mindset of being in France when you hear it read to you in a French accent. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're traveling. Right. Mm-hmm. And exotic. I've done both extensively of course but the the novels that i was talking to you about where while we were at the book sale the um louise penny Mm -hmm. she's a mystery writer and the characters are canadian but a lot of the names and um a lot of the words are french and if if you have never taken french like nicole has you wouldn't know how to pronounce any of those words. They just look completely foreign. Mm-hmm. So it's cool because you get that lyrical, I don't know, feeling of the words that are French. And you know how to pronounce them. because you, And so that when you look at the book, because I've done this before, I started reading Louise Penny, listening to it. But then they didn't have all the ones that I wanted to read. So I went to Half Price Books and I bought a hard copy I'm like, oh, that's how you spell that. <laughs> so yeah. it was cool because I could hear the author's voice pronouncing the words in my head while I was reading that I wouldn't be able to pronounce those words otherwise. So that was kind of cool. I agree. <clears throat> I can go next if we want to go from depressing to depressing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's, I've got a happy book. Let's have, let's sort let, of. I mean, it's not like happy, but. Let's let Josh depressing. go next. Okay. Then. That way we can get a little break for those of go. us who are. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Sensitive. <laughs> okay, Josh, what'd you read? Okay, I read, uh, and I've read this before, um, uh, The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman. Oh! Yeah. Um, great, great book. Uh, first time I read it, I read it 
almost the whole thing in one remote broadcast, which was four hours. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I it's think not it, a very long book, though. It's only, no, what, a couple hundred pages? Yeah, 250. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, pretty short, but man, it packs a wallop. It's very, very imagematic, you know, because um, it's told from the point of view of a kid. And so everything that happens through the book is, you know... Imagination? Right. Um, and it was I was thinking about it on my drive back up here, too. And I was kind of picturing it not from the point of view of a kid and just from the reality point point of view of it. Mm-hmm. And it made me laugh because it's almost two different stories, but the adult one is super boring and kind of depressing. <laughs> um, but if it, I mean, just taken from the, from the view that it's written in, oh, it's so much fun to read because everything, it's, it, it's, it's like when you were a kid and everything was infinite. You know, you didn't know any boundaries. You, d- you didn't know where things began and end. So everything was just infinite or, you know, super massive or powerful. And you just, you couldn't beat it because you were just a kid and it wasn't. And it starts out with the main character as an adult. Um, he's back in town for a funeral and he is on his way to the, the funeral reception to go you know, deal with all people and whatnot. Takes a drive, uh, winds up driving past his childhood home. And then once he sees that, well, I guess his home was demolished, so where his home was. And so he continues on down the road and comes to this old farmhouse um, just at the end of the lane. And he goes in to see if the people still live there. And uh, the old lady from the story, she still lives there, so... She lets him come in, and he goes back to the, the pond, which is the ocean, um, back behind their house. And as he's sitting at the pond, he starts remembering everything that happened to him as a kid, you know, dealing with this house and its inhabitants and whatnot. And so then, right at the beginning of the next chapter, it starts off, he's a kid again, and um, his family is kind of, well, they were... A little upscale. They lived out of town in a big house um, where everyone had their own room and they had extra rooms just, just to do things throughout the house. But I guess they fall in some hard times, so they have to let a room out. Um, so he moves out of his room into his sister's room, and they rent his room out to several people here and there. And then the last one they rented out to was an opal miner. Ooh, cool. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, he's there for a few weeks or so, and then he goes out one night, I guess blows all of his and his investors' money gambling, Ooh. and then comes back. This is the beginning of the book, so I'm not giving anything away, okay. by the way. Um, takes uh, the kid's dad's car down the lane, uh, puts a hose in the tailpipe, and <gasps> you know stuffs it with mud, and then, you know... And offs himself? Right. Whoa. Um... So, the next morning, the kid and the dad go down there after breakfast, and they see that, and, you know. So, the kid sees that. He sees it. Oh. You know. Oh, well. Traumatic. Yeah. Doesn't really do that much for him. I mean, it comes back a couple times in the story, but it's not like he was super traumatized. He was mostly bummed that he didn't get his comic out of the backseat. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, he doesn't even really, he's like, yeah, I think but, seven, so he yeah. doesn't really register death. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, the little girl comes up, because this is right next to the, the end of the lane where the dude offed himself. And she comes up and she says, hey, blah, 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 come back to my house so you don't have to be around all these cops and adults and whatnot. So he goes back with her. And living at that, that house is her, her mother, and her grandmother. And the, they're the Hempstocks. And um, let's see. Oh, it's been two weeks, I think, since I finished it. I thought I was going to get on the other day, but I ended up having to work. Yeah. Finished it too soon. So. Well, you can just give us. Just, right. Yeah. Anyways, um, a lady moves in to his room where the opal miner was to watch the kids and maintain the house. Her name is Ursula something or other. Moncton. Um, oh, this is in Sussex, by the way. England. That's where okay. the story takes place. Well, just outside Sussex. I was about to ask where Sussex. <laughs> <laughs> I would know that because I'm the uh, the British lover over here. There's a word for that, but I can't think of it right now. That's funny. Um, so Ursula and the little boy, who's the main character, they don't get along right from the get-go. His little sister loves her. Um, oh, damn it. I skipped some because Ursula doesn't just move in. Okay. Is she like with the dad? Actually, yes. Sort Ooh. of. Sort of. Um, Whoops. I skipped actually a super important part. So the next morning after the opal miner dies, uh, the little boy wakes up and he's choking on a, a, a shilling or whatever whatever they use over a there. A coin. A coin. Some okay. sort of coin. He pulls it out of his throat. Um, goes back to the hempstocks just because he's weirded out about it and wants to hang out with a little girl. And the Hemstocks aren't normal people. They're older than people, sort of. They're not like people people. They came here before humans did. Oh, so they're not, they're not human. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and they came across the ocean, which is the pond, but it just looks like a pond. Um, I was waiting for the... Uh, but it is an ocean? It's It looks like yeah. a pond, but it's not actually a pond? Right. See, I was waiting for the uh, the weirdness, because Neil Gaiman is known for Yeah, he's, he's a weirdo. Um, no, but not weirdo, but I mean, he's known for his imaginative right. novels. <laughs> and I like him. So do I, actually. A little explicit at some points in a few of his novels, but overall, I like him. Um, so... Letty, the little girl, Letty Hempstock, and the boy, they go to check it out. And they go to this this weird area. It's not really Earth. Um, Do they go across the, quote, ocean? No, they don't They don't cross the ocean, but it's, it's still on the Hempstock's property. Oh, so, so he can access this other with world her. with her. Right. Oh, cool. And so they're walking through, and she says, whatever you do... Don't let go of my hand, no matter what happens. And they come across this old, he describes it as what looks like an old tattered circus tent flapping in the wind and talking. <laughs> and this is the thing. Um, now, now the opal miner's death kind of set things off 
with this thing um, because it had to do with money. And so she kind of, and the thing is a she. So she kind of. circus tent? Right. Okay. Man, this it, is like super The trippy. kid describes it as a circus tent. I feel like tent. we should have had to have more caffeine before we started this <laughs> So the thing just wants to give people what they want. Mm-hmm. Well, so she can take over, but she says she wants to just give people what they want. So that's how he ended up with the coin in his throat, and you know, a uh, couple people found money and all sorts of stuff. Oh. Um, his little sister had coins thrown at her and her friend, and she blamed it on him, even though it was the thing. Oh, okay. I was wondering why the hell he had a coin in his throat. Yeah. Okay, that um, makes sense because he was wishing for money, obviously. Right. So be careful what you wish for. Letty's trying to bind this thing so okay. it can't do any more harm. And while it's being bound, it throws something at the boy and he lets go to knock <gasps> it away. Um So does he get like stuck there or No, he gets infected would probably be the most suitable word. Um just a pain in his foot. It's like a oh. like a hole in his foot, uh. but not like you can see inside of his foot. It's just like a hole in his foot, and this thing uses that to travel back with him to the real oh. world. So it's like a parasite right. bores into his foot right. and goes back to the real world. And so once they get back to the real world, um, the thing. It becomes Ursula. Oh. Yeah. So it's not really a girl. It's kind of a messed up sort of demonic thing that's just there to mess with people. It just takes the image of a girl. Right. And uh, a pretty girl, by the way. Mm-hmm. Well, they are demonic. Sort of like pretty a girl. succubus. Right. <laughs> and his dad likes the girl. Um, and this is kind of the part that looking back with an adult outlook kind of changes the whole tone of the story because it could be that this little boy was imagining all this because he hated the girl because she was coming in to mess up his family Okay, because the dad was having an affair with her. And did the little boy know? He saw it. Oh, yeah. Multiple times. Only once like. Saw it, saw it, but you right. know, just but around know. he saw it's, just it's little no. yeah. little yeah. stuff. They know something's up. Um, and Ursula, much. she's horrible to him. To the little boy. To the little boy, right? Um, she says she's going to lock him up in the attic uh, where he can't cry, can't read, or do anything, and he loves reading. That's his escape from from the world because he doesn't really have a whole lot of friends, except for Letty now. And so him and Letty kind of, they keep trying to find ways to, to get rid of this thing. And it takes a long time. And she does some just wild stuff. And um, let's see. It's okay. Well, you don't yeah, have to give us too to much more. Okay. So, yeah, it, it's mostly just about a boy trying to deal with this this new thing that came into his life 
and and all this change because he had to move out of his room, which had his personal little wash bin in it that was right just the right size for him. And right. he had to move into his sister's room, and she doesn't like the lights on. She likes the door closed and window closed and all that. And so, so all of these little things sort of build up, and he imagines his tormentor as something otherworldly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, I did try to listen to this book, and the reason that I didn't keep reading it is because I don't. I love Neil Gaiman's writing, mm-hmm. but I don't like it when he reads his work. You don't like his voice? It's not that I don't like his voice. It's just that I don't like him reading his work. It's not animated enough? He's not... Yeah. It doesn't match somehow. <clears throat> I could see that. Which I haven't is weird. listened to him, but mm-hmm. reading him and seeing a picture of him, I could, I could see that. I mean, I've I've read him many times, <laughs> and I really like, like his work. I just do not like his voice. Mm-hmm. Reading his work, it's not that mm-hmm. he has a bad voice. That's not it. It just doesn't match the story. That yeah, makes it's sense. Just incongruous to me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I got I get distracted and don't end up liking it. So I bailed out and then bought a copy. And of course, the pile next to my bed is absolutely freaking huge right now. At the top of it is the one you gave me. I have another one to give you. I think you'll like it better. Awesome. Oh, it's a far superior book, in my opinion. Okay, let's finish up Sorry. this one first. Okay, anyway, so... So just tell us, um, liked, not liked? Loved it. I loved it, and I'll probably read it a few more times. If it weren't for the adult parts, which is, they are very minimal, it focuses yeah. a lot more mm-hmm. on the kid, um, I'd say it's a great story to read to your kids before bedtime. Except mm-hmm. for that little bit of sex. It, right. <laughs> Yeah, and there's maybe really skip only one over part that where they part. have sex. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. uh, other than that, it's just little, you know, little touching and petting and whatnot. You know what this story reminds me a little bit of? Hmm. Did you ever watch The NeverEnding Story? Oh, yeah. This reminds me a little of that because he's a boy and everything is changing. Mm-hmm. He locks himself into the attic of a school so that he can read. Mm-hmm. And he catches a lot of slack from everybody else in the school for reading all the time. And he locks himself in the attic so that he can read this book and is, you know, becomes part of the story. Mm. This kind of reminds me a little bit of that. It's funny, I hadn't made that connection before, but that's... When you were talking about it, that's what it reminded me of. Mm -hmm. How, you know, especially when he goes to this neighbor's house and everything changes and everything is otherworldly. It reminds me of when Sebastian goes into the world that Mm -hmm. he's reading about and all of a sudden becomes part of the story and there's rock people and there's that mm. giant tortoise who's giving him information and the luck huh. dragon and everything else. Hmm. Interesting. Anyways. See, I love it when that happens. <laughs> That's what it, it reminds me a lot because somebody's describing something that you've seen before and then you're like, oh, yeah. If you like that, you got to like this. Mm-hmm. It's all part of it. Cool. That's what it reminds me. So what, what would your rating of oh, this I'd book be? Oh, I'd give it a six. A six out yeah, of five? Yeah, a five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds good. like something I might like to read. As much as I stray away from sci-fi. That it's not I really might, sci-fi. I might like this one. It's more like I'd, fantasy. I'd give it a full fantasy. Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman. Ocean and, at the end of the lane. Is that it? Mm-hmm. All right, Nicole, how about you? What did you read? This book I'm going to talk about because it was very interesting, but it's not really something that I actually... I mean, the story was okay, but I didn't really like it. But I'm talking about it 
because I think other people will like it. Yeah, I've done that before too. It okay. is highly rated on like Amazon, but not part of your top really, ten. Yeah, it is definitely not part of my top ten. So it's called The Special Power of Restoring Lost Things, and it's written by Courtney Elizabeth Mock. And essentially, it's about this family of four who, and it takes place a year after their oldest daughter uh, is becomes missing. Mm-hmm. So they've hmm. gone a year now. They don't know where their daughter is. Um, and the son, the brother, he know he knows that she's dead. Like, he just knows um, because they had a pretty good relationship. And the book goes back and forth between the mother, the father, and the son. And it'll have... It's very interesting because I'm sitting here expecting this huge, like mystery slash crime story right and it never happens so you're so that's sitting probably there. why you didn't yes, like it that's why i did not like it um but essentially she goes missing the entire story is the father he's writing um he's got notes like he's writing his daughter letters so when she comes back he can give them to her um. and he's looking for like looking for her spiritually i guess trying to figure out where he went wrong. Um, He has, like, a lot of guilt about her going missing. The mother also has a lot of guilt, so you go to her, and she's just utterly depressed. But what she does is she goes to the club, which was the last place her daughter was seen at, every night wearing her daughter's clothing. Oh, that's creepy. Trying to find the man that she left with because she has the CCTV footage. Um, So... She as she gets drunk every night, she goes home at like two o'clock in the morning to her husband and her and her husband are really like barely holding on. So this is very depressing. And then you have the son who's being completely ignored, who misses And how old his, is he? I think he's sixteen or seventeen. Oh, man. Now how how old is a girl who disappears? I think she had just turned like twenty. Oh, okay. She was All pretty right. young. If she was at the club, she would have had to been... Yeah, young, but an uh, adult. Yes, this also takes place, I believe, in England. Okay. I was going to say, because I think 16, they can go to the club at 16, can't they? In England? Yeah. I I know they can drink at, like, 17. But anyways, um, so the son, uh, slash brother, he's trying to figure out, like, where this disappearance of his sister who he unbelievably misses has left him like and because his parents he always feels like his dad doesn't like him and his he just is upset that his mom is so depressed and like not paying attention to anything anymore so he goes and he finds his sister's best friend and he starts hanging around her house and she, her and her boyfriend are a little bit of like trouble, kind oh, of, dear. especially for somebody that age. And they just go out and party and do drugs all night. Mm. And so about halfway through the story, uh, they take him out uh, for the first time. And you just see like that. And by the end of it, he kind of just realizes like not for me. But that's pretty much the entire story. Like there, there is an ending but there's no resolution and there's no actual trying to solve of the crime. It's more of how it, how the people are affected by it. There's a very small twist at the end. Very, very small. Like, and it's kind of a cliffhanger. And then you're just like, 
What? You just really literally read like 300 and something pages. No. 300 and something pages (laughs) of this family who's upset their daughter went missing, but you never find out who she left with or like what happened to her. They do find her uh, like early in the book. Um, They do find her body. So you do know that she is for sure dead. Mm. Um, But you don't know what happened. Yeah. They never tell you like, I don't I was expecting like unsolved mysteries wow, or sounds like a good forensic for files. A book. I know. And then nothing. And then it was just huh. about the emotional uh, journey that the family took. Yes. Accepting so, the missing. So I can see why some people would like that. I think if you not for me are but. a little bit older than I am and have which Nicole is what 25 now? 24 still. 24 still. Okay. But like if you have a family um, and like children it might be more interesting or more depressing. I was going to say, no. Mm. Not for me, anyway. Uh, of course, I like the mystery. I yeah. like the solving of mysteries and the puzzle. So I would definitely would not like it. Yeah, I think this book would just make me paranoid. <laughs> it's just super weird. <laughs> but it literally has, like, Goodreads, it's, I think, rated a three, which is not, I mean, for Goodreads. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, but Amazon, it's got, like, a four and a half. Really? Wow. And I'm sitting, like, so then if you go read... Like the first thing about about the book says, can we ever let our children go? And that's the question that the author asks in her riveting novel that was not very riveting. But I think some people will like it, just not me. Yeah. And so and what, what, her writing was interesting. And then she had some aspects like the son. Um, he's so worried about the world ending, kind of. He starts to be he wants to become a prepper kind like. Oh, because he's paranoid at this yeah. point, and so he buys cans of beans, and that's about it. So you just, and that's where the the title comes from, the special power of restoring lost things. Hmm. I don't know. So and who's the author on that again? Um, El- Courtney Elizabeth Mock. Okay, well that won't go on my list, right? But I, I there can, might be somebody out there who yeah who wants to read it. That's I can kind of understand why it was popular because. You know, a lot of people connect with the character probably mm-hmm. with with their kids disappearing. Yeah, it is a pretty short read too. I think it's only three hundred something pages. So great. All right. So me. Yes. What did you read? Okay. So actually, when I read this book, Nicole, I thought of you. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I thought of you for a couple of reasons. It's called The Assistance, and it's by Camille Perry. And it, it's about a young person who has a degree, mm-hmm. who got a job that doesn't pay very well. And she often thinks about, why did I go through all of this trouble to get a degree if what I'm going to end up doing doesn't pay very well? Mm-hmm. And all of the regrets of the huge student loans and... All of those sorts of things that there are so many young people that are dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And I thought of you because you work so hard <laughs> and you don't get any of the credit for what goes on here at the station. So, yeah, that's the main reason I was thinking of you, but also because you're young and you're still in college. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have student loans, but um, I know that there are a lot of people who do have student loans. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they rack them up and they get bachelor's degrees and then they, they go into entry level, especially in communications, they go mm-hmm. into entry level communications and they make minimum wage. Yep. So mm-hmm. they can't make enough money to pay on their student loans. Mm-hmm. 
And that's just an example of where my mind was when I started reading this book. Um, It's a debut novel, and I'm definitely buying this for my bookshelf because it was so well written and it was very engaging. Okay, here's what happens. She's the assistant of a very, very high-powered media mogul, okay? And she routinely has to schedule things for him that would just boggle your mind expense wise. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of it, um, he decides he has to take a trip. And for some reason, his private jet is not available. Mm -hmm. Okay. So she has to book a flight for him, a commercial flight. Well, he's insisting that she buy out first class for him so that he doesn't have to sit next to anyone on the plane. So she calls up the airline and she's like, okay, you know, this is what I need and I need you to comp me the flight. And they're like, the lady laughs at her. She's like, no. She's like, okay, you know, so she ends up, she's, she's going to put the, um, the flight on his credit card, but for some reason it won't go through and she has to book the flight because he's already on his way to the airport. So she uses two of her credit cards to pay for the flight, and it's $19,000. For one seat or for the whole? For the whole first class. <laughs> because he doesn't want to sit, he doesn't want to sit next to anyone. So they basically bump everybody off of the mm-hmm. flight that's in first class on that flight. Wow. How mad would you be if you were another passenger? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So she does what she usually does, which she writes an expense report, does all that stuff. But then the girl calls her back. And she's... Her, or no, her supervisor calls back and says, we fired that girl because she should have never told you no. And she should have never laughed at you. And we apologize so much, you know, because her boss is so he, he's huge, mm-hmm. hugely. I always thought of Sir Richard Branson while I was reading this. <laughs> you know, we're talking that much money and that much power. Mm-hmm. And so they comp the flight. Well, she she's already submitted the expense report and she doesn't even think about it. And then a couple of days later, she gets this $19,000 check. Mm-hmm. And then she's really conflicted. I mean, to the point of because she looks at this and that's how exactly how much she owes on her student loans. Oh. So she sleeps with the check for a week. <laughs> <laughs> she takes it home and she sleeps with it. And argues like with herself. Yes, physically. She argues with herself back and forth. And finally, she takes a picture of it, deposits the check. And she pays off her student loan. And then, a couple of days later, she gets a call from the finance office. Uh-oh. So she goes up there, and the girl from the finance office says, I know what you did. And I'm not going to turn you in. Because you're going to do it for me. Uh Uh-oh. So then she gets roped into this thing where she ends up making up expenses because she's the boss's Mm -hmm. assistant. Mm -hmm. And he spends money like crazy and doesn't really pay any attention to it. So then after a little while, that girl's boss catches that something's going on. And then she wants in. So it's just so it gets so far out of control that she's just panicked. It just snowballs. And all of these people that get involved, it's all about the student loans, Mm -hmm. all of it. 
And these are all assistants to big, <laughs> powerful people. So it's like they end up forming because they're going to get caught. They end up, well, they're talking about it. One, one of the tech girls finds out about it, right? And she's got this idea of, wouldn't it be great if we could create um, an organization where people contribute to this pool of people who need to pay off their student loans? So she, she's talking about it, and she talks with her boyfriend about it. Well, her boyfriend spills the beans to some media company, and they print it in a magazine. Without telling, knowing that right. he's And she's like, beans. oh, my God, I can't believe you did that, because she was just talking about it, mm-hmm. like she needed to talk. And then it was like, oh, shit, now we have to actually do it. So they formed this nonprofit organization to actually do this. Well, it's, it is crazy, crazy, crazy ride. I mean, you're just paranoid the whole time you're reading it because you're like, oh, my God, they're going to get caught. It was, it was such a fun read that I would highly recommend it to anybody, whether you have a student loan or not. It was, it was fun and frightening and, and exciting all at the same time. And I was thinking, what would I do in that situation with the chance? I mean, I know I wouldn't keep the money because I'd know I'd get caught. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she actually did it was like, oh, my gosh, she actually did it. And then when it started to snowball like it did, I just couldn't believe it. And I think I kind of felt the way she might have felt. Kind of like she did what you wouldn't what you would want to do, but wouldn't actually do. Exactly. So you, it's almost like you're living vicariously through this this character. Exactly. That's exactly how I felt. And she was so brave, but yet so stupid. You know what I mean? Because she's young. And Mm -hmm. she's young and very, very desperate. She's living in this this apartment where the roof leaks right over her bed. And it creates this bubble of, like, roof Mm -hmm. every time it rains. And she lays there and she looks at it. And she just wonders when it's going to burst. You know? She just lives... Hand to mouth, literally, and yet she's working for this man who whose moisturizer costs more than her monthly rent. <laughs> you know, so he just throws money willy-nilly here and there, and she's just like, oh, just one little bit of that could help so many people. And then she ends up, like, becoming this iconic figure. Mm-hmm. It was fun. I actually found it in the humor section at the library. Hmm. <laughs> I was trolling for something to read and, and I actually found it in there. And it really was a funny book. It was fun and exciting. And I would give it a five just because I had such a blast reading it. It's called The Assistance uh, by Camille Perry. And like I said, it's a debut novel. So I look forward to reading something else from her. So anyway, yeah, it's, it's, it was pretty exciting. To it sounds like a fun read. It sounds like it would be fun to read. It was. It sounds like an adventure. It really was. It, oh, like I said, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time, wondering, <laughs> "Oh my gosh, she's gonna get caught!" And then every person that came in to the situation, you know, it seemed like just as she's about ready ready to get out of it, somebody else would find out because mm. somebody would t- talk about, "Oh, it's such a relief! I paid off my student loan." 
And then they end up telling another person and that person tells another person and it just gets to be this huge debacle. Mm-hmm. So a lot of stuff on the horizon, though. Oh, my God. Look at those books behind you. There's a lot of books. <laughs> there, I spent $61. The books were $2 each. I so spent $36. A, was it so, cash? Huh? Was it cash only? No, they took credit cards Good. this year. Yeah. I think you have to buy... It has $20. to be at least $20. Yeah, yeah. $20 per, limit. That's but, easy. Yeah. <laughs> they take checks, too, if that, you no carry checks around. I've written yeah, one check in my entire life. The <laughs> library book sale is my Super Bowl, Vonnie's Super Bowl. Yes. We our, took, took... Our Black Friday. Yeah, we went out uh, and stood in line starting at 4-something. It opened at 5.30, and we were not the first in line. No. 4.30 in the morning? No. Oh, no. In the afternoon. We had to work Jesus. like normal people on Friday. We didn't record the podcast on Friday night because we were at, we the, were book at the book sale. So <laughs> it's Sunday afternoon recording the podcast, and I'm going to have to go home and edit furiously to get it on in, in on time, our usual <laughs> right. schedule. Because we have, we have people, oddly enough, all over the world that are listening to this podcast when it's already Monday. Hmm. So Every week changed. I upload mm-hmm. it and it shows up that it's being listened to on Monday when I put it in on Sunday night, hmm. which is kind of fun. So hello to everyone who's listening elsewhere mm-hmm. in the world. <laughs> Australia. We have lots of Australia and Canadian listeners. Mm-hmm. So We do. I think Canada was our top nation yep. last week. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. Hey, Canada. Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> Hopefully that didn't offend anybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Canadians are laid back. We won't offend them. No. Except when they play hockey. Yeah, we, we will never talk about hockey on this show. Are you sure? Yes, we're not sports fans. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> he's, he, he looks like he's about to say something about hockey. Well, I missed a hockey game. <laughs> oh, today. to be here? Uh-huh. Oh. That was a good one, too. You're well, so thank sweet. You. Thanks okay. for joining us. I wanted to be here. I've been to a couple of hockey games. I went to um, one, actually, when I lived up near Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Did you go see the, the Sabres? Sabres, mm-hmm. Went That's to cool. Buffalo Sabres. It was really fun. I can't cool. believe we're talking about hockey on a I couldn't gotcha. follow it because I didn't know <laughs> the rules at the time because you know, I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. Oh, you guys. Gotcha. <laughs> I guess that's the price you pay for having a guy on the show, right? <laughs> you got to talk a little sports every once in a while. Yeah. If you live with Tyler, you're yes. with my son, you're going to talk sports. Yeah. Well, my son's a soccer player, so he doesn't yep. talk hockey. So we got all these books ready to go behind us. We're excited about that. And I'm sure that we're going to have another really exciting book week on the way. Yay. I guess that's going to do it for Three, three Book, book Girls. girls. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Josh. That I love that. Fantastic. Three Book Girls. <laughs>